0: Numerous times this year, too numerous actually, uh, members of our congregation have lost loved ones. Um, That's an expression we used lost a loved one. Uh, We are missing them, but we have not lost them. We know where they are, they are with the Lord. We are thankful for that. It uh, softens our grief. It gives us hope for a remarkable a gathering in the presence of God in the kingdom of heaven. But still, the process of losing the companionship of a, a husband, a wife, a daughter, a son, a mother or a father, a brother or a sister is still painful. Um, When I gather with families to speak about that and to prepare for a time of celebrating their lives, we talk about uh, the components, the parts of our celebration and always, it seems, families ask, can we, uh, can, can we read the 23rd Psalm? And I say, of course we can. That Psalm is dear to all of us. And uh, at no time is it more dear to us than when we are uh, remembering someone who we have freshly lost uh, from this world. At those times, I suggest another psalm to them and have uh, been able to read this other psalm a number of times. It is Psalm 139. I don't think it's as well known as Psalm 23 or perhaps some other psalm, Psalm 100, uh, but uh, Psalm 139 is an amazing psalm. And I decided it needed some time for us to, to consider that and listen to it in our worship one Sunday. And so that will be our text this morning. I invite you to join me in praying that God would illuminate our minds and help us to understand the words of this particular psalm. Let's pray. Lord, we turn to you as we turn to your word because we know that you are the author of these words through numerous people. Uh, through people who knew you and followed you and served you. And we thank you for giving us your words to them onto us in writing. And as we turn to these words to understand, we ask your spirit to help us uh, hear what you are saying to us. Uh, We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So the text of Psalm 139, and I will only read half of it. There are 24 verses in this psalm. I choose for time's sake to to read the first 12, and then we'll discuss them. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me It is so high I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. A few years back, as I was serving as associate pastor for mission at Grace Presbyterian Church here in Houston, corner of Westheimer Parkway and the Sam Houston Tollway, I had the privilege and the great enjoyment of taking a number of mission trips with members of that congregation as we uh, frequently went into the Yucatan as a close place that we could experience what it meant to go across another into another language and another culture which we were not familiar with and uh, which we had some knowledge of but it was still very different and it was a rich experience every group every time and many people went back again and again uh... like page and cam do when they go on uh... medical trips to Guatemala Uh, we enjoy going again and we make friends and develop partners in mission one of the trips that I was privileged to take was to Kenya where our congregation had participated in funding the construction of a new orthopedic hospital for all of East Africa And it was amazing to go and see the construction, to participate in little ways that we could. And uh, one of the special opportunities we had was to go into Nairobi. We were on the outskirts of Nairobi in the town of Kikuyu, which is the name also of the the largest tribal group in Kenya. We were in Kikuyu, but we were able to scoot into Nairobi one Sunday morning that we were there and attend the historic St. Andrews Presbyterian Church uh, in downtown Kenya. I was really excited. I thought, wow, this is going to be amazing music here in Kenya, in Africa, uh, to hear the rhythms, the sounds, the music that they have uh, used to express uh, their faith in Christ. So we sit down and settle in, and pretty soon the music starts, and I went, What? And they were singing from the Scottish Psalter, the hymn book of Scotland, and it was all in English and it was in uh we could have just as well been in Scotland as in Kenya. I was so disappointed. But it was the Psalms. And so their hymns were all nothing but the Psalms that they sang in St. Andrews as The Church of Scotland has done, maybe not in recent years, but did for decades and decades, a couple of centuries, only singing the Psalms. For the Psalms are the songs of the people of Israel kept for them, collected for them in the Old Testament. Um, The Psalms, 150 of them, were composed from a period of 1,000 B.C., during the lifetime of King David, on up as recent as 400 B.C. So they're not just a collection of songs only that in King David's time, but as they continued to sing, even when they were in captivity in Babylon, we sat down and wept. And... uh, uh, so different song, songs or psalms reflect different experiences of the people of Israel. And uh, there's a lot to say and learn about the psalms. For most of us, um, they are uh, just a collection of 150. Some long, some short, and we know very little about them. Psalm 23 is some total of our knowledge of the psalms. and uh, But it is a repository, a collection of rich expressions of devotion for the people of God toward God. And as such, it behooves us, it's good for us uh, to go to the Psalms. And you'll find that most Sundays, or many of our Sundays, our call to worship is coming out of the Psalms. This morning it came out of Romans 8 but frequently we're calling on the psalms to express a call to worship uh, each morning. Um, some of the psalms are prayers. Some of them are teaching songs, and that's true in our hymns. The, uh, the difference between a prayer song or prayer hymn and uh, one that's not a prayer is that uh The prayer is addressing God. And the second pronoun, you, O Lord. We're speaking to God in a psalm or one of our hymns. Others of our hymns, as we sang this morning, crown him with many crowns. We're speaking of God in the third person. We're speaking about God. Um, Psalm 23 happens to be both a prayer and a teaching hymn. It begins... Speaking about God, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's not speaking to him at the beginning. But halfway through, David flips. And he is speaking about using the third person pronoun, he, and then he switches to you. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Suddenly in the middle of talking about the Lord, he starts talking to the Lord. And there are a few other psalms that do that too. Psalm 139 is also a prayer all the way through. It's addressed to God. But like the the prayer psalms, they also teach There's tremendous lessons we gather from them. This beautiful psalm reveals an amazing perception of the nature of God. When you take your time and get acquainted with Psalm 139, this psalm reveals deep knowledge of God or theology, which is knowledge of God. And what it reveals in this psalm are four great features of the nature of God. Let me put up a slide for you and show you these four great features of the knowledge of God. The first feature is the omniscience of God. God is all-knowing. The second is the omnipresence of God. God is present everywhere. The third great feature is the omnipotence, the potential, the power of God. God is all-powerful. And the fourth is a little departure. It's a difficult part of this psalm. You almost think it doesn't belong to this psalm. But what it reveals is the holiness of God. There's a lot to talk about that, about this psalm. and We can't cover it all in one sermon, but I would like to take a little bit of it. So as I said, there are 24 verses. Each of these four features has six verses um we just read the first two of the features uh we read 12 verses so we read feature number 1 feature number 2 and in in reading just those we would have to admit that this psalm does not ask or answer every question about these four features uh, of God but it does say some amazing things that are uh, much for us to pause and take into our lives. This is a song. It's in poetic form. I gave them too many words for the slide for them to keep the poetic form, but uh, it is in poetic form, so maybe the next slides I show you will be in that poetic form. Um, This psalm has a title to it, and it says, To the Leader of David. It's of David. This is a psalm of David, a song. Uh, It is the personal perception of one person, David, the shepherd boy who became king of Israel, and a man after God's own heart. Um, he lived about that 10th century before Christ. He was a very special person called by God to serve God's people then. And David continues to serve God by having written many of his songs and prayers to God. And they have been preserved by people so that we can be fed by them today. I'd like to go back and begin again at verse 1 and look at each of these sections with with you. So section 1 about the uh, omniscience of God. God knows all. O Lord, speaking to God, David said, You have searched me and known me. Have you ever been searched? Have you ever had your car searched? You've searched your car probably for your keys or for your cell phone. (laughs) You know what it's like to search for something. To lose something in a home and go searching in every possible place. Where did I leave that? But to be searched yourself. To have your life looked at. Perhaps in an applying for a job to belong to something and you are being searched we don't go into that kind of detail when we welcome you as members of this church but um but there are some some experiences in life where we have to be searched i suppose if you get on a plane you kind of go through that sometimes you're pulled out of line and off come your shoes and off comes your coat and you're searched Interesting that David said, you have searched me and known me. The fact that he didn't put that in the simple past tense meant that it was a continuous action that David had experienced from God. You have continued to search me. You have continued to know me. It was an ongoing experience that David had with God, with the Lord. And it no doubt began when he was a boy, for he began to exhibit in his teenage years an uncommon relationship with God as he was called into service against the enemies of Israel and exhibited a young man in his teens who trusted in God's power and not his own. To defeat a giant that no one else in his army would dare oppose. He was an uncommon teenager. And it was because he had begun a relationship with God early in his life. Where did he get that from? He almost appears to be mistreated by his own family he was the youngest of a number of sons were there seven or eight and when God sent Samuel the great judge prophet to anoint the next king of Israel because God was disappointed with Saul he sent him to the house of Jesse the father of David and Samuel sent word ahead that he wished to come and to celebrate a feast with Jesse's family because God had sent him there. He didn't reveal why to Jesse, but he asked him to gather his family, which Jesse did. And after the meal, Jesse introduced his sons to Samuel. And each time a son was introduced, the Lord whispered to Samuel, not that one, not that one. Not that one. And finally, Jesse was through introducing his sons. And God had said to Samuel, not that one for every one. And Samuel turns to Jesse and says, is that all your sons? Jesse says, no, there's the the kid. He's out in the field with the sheep. He smells... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever. And Samuel had to say, call him. And he did. And God said, that's the one. What was going on with, Sam, with David as a young teenager, able to be left day and night far in the fields with his family's sheep? Sheep left alone. In those kind of experiences, you either fall apart or something else wonderful happens. You find out that there is a God of the universe and he is in that field with you and he cares for you and he begins to speak to you. Perhaps it was because David's great-grandmother was Ruth. The Ruth, you know, that Ruth in the Bible, who said, wherever you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Ruth was not a Jew, not a Jewish woman. She was a Moabite woman, a Gentile, but she married a Jewish man, and he died. And Ruth went back to Israel, because in that marriage to that man, with that man's brother, with that man's father and mother, she'd come to know the God of Israel the only God, and she wanted a relationship with that God and she was she was alive with God and that may have seeped down even to David even to David somehow families do that so David says, Lord you have searched me and known me You know when I sit down and when I rise up you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down you're acquainted with all my ways. He'd learned a lot about God quickly. He goes on to say even before a word is on my tongue O Lord you know it completely. Knowing that I was reading that this morning I included that in my prayer after our prayer of praise and confession saying God knew the words we were going to say to him before we said them this morning. What each of us said to him, he knew it before. Our knowledge of God and God's knowledge of us needs to grow. We need to be aware, more alive to God's presence with us and his knowledge of us. And so that's what David goes on. In verse, he, he says, Even before word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You're, you hem me in behind and before. Like he, he, you're, you're around me. You follow me. You go ahead of me. You prepare a way for me. He, he, you know, he says that in the 23rd Psalm. You prepare a, a table before me in the presence of me. You, you're going ahead of me. You're coming behind me. You're with me. You lay your hand upon me. And it's a gentle laying of the hand upon the touch of God. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I love that word. That word he will say again in this psalm, wonderful. It's a Hebrew word I don't recognize, and I chose not to struggle with it for you this morning. But it occurs in another place that I love in Genesis 18 when Samuel and Sarah uh, have given up trying to have a child. They have a child through Sarah's maid and all that whole story. And then finally the Lord shows up to them again one day and says, "Nope, that's not what I said was going to happen. Sarah's going to have a child. And Sarah's making some bread for Abraham and the Lord and Sarah laughs, and the Lord turns to her and says, "Why did you laugh?" And Sarah says, well, "I I didn't laugh." And the, and the Lord says to her, "Yes, you did. <laughs> don't you love that? Like, was there a recording going on right there? Did they have a did they have a cell phone going? But they, it was such an amazing conversation." It was remembered and written down for us. Yes, you did laugh. And then God says, can anything be too wonderful for the Lord to do for you? Sarah has no more reply. But she does have a child the next year. And that child is Isaac, through whom is Jacob. And then all of the children of Israel. And the fulfillment of God's promises. Too wonderful for me. Then verse 7 goes into the uh, omnipresence of God. And for some reason, David says, where can I go from your spirit? Like, are you wanting to, David? Or is he just... Wondering, is there any place I could go from your spirit? I've been in the wilderness. I've been in the midst of armies and battle. I've been in the palace. I've been alone. I've been surrounded. Is there anywhere I could go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? David knew about fleeing. David had to flee Saul. Saul wanted to kill him threw a spear at him across a banquet table. Missed him, but David got the message and got out of Dodge. (laughs) And David ran and hid in the wilderness of En Gedi, there in Israel, for several years, gathering a group of fellow outcasts who joined him and became great leaders of Israel because David was their leader and taught them about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Where can I flee from your presence? So he says, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's under the earth, where people go when they die, under the earth. You are there. If I take the wings of the morning and sail at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me fast. By the way, where did, where did Jesus sit down? The right hand of the Father. Jesus is the right hand of God. The power. The Word made flesh. Even there your hand shall me, lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. And the next slide goes on. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, I think David is recognizing that there's been a time of darkness in his life. And he just knows what everybody knows that you get away with more things when it's dark and people can't see what you're doing. And so we try things and we see all sorts of things happen in our own cities every night people that are one thing during the day or another thing at night. Surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night. Even the darkness is not darkness to you, Lord. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. It's amazing, these wonderful words. The next uh, slide has uh, a little sample of part three, the omnipotence of God. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully, and there's wonderful again. I'm wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. I know that very well. Those next six verses from 13 to. Oh, from uh, like 13 to 18 or, uh, are, are of the omnipotence of God. Next slide just shows you a sample of the final thing. And look how it departs. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, oh God, and the, that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. It's like he's speaking about God and then he he expresses his horror at the people who are opposed to God and do so much damage even though he has been one of them at points in his life. It does look out of place with the rest of the psalm but what it reflects is God's abhorrence to evil and that too is in the nature of God. God. The Psalms of David um, were deeply personal, but David's close personal relationship with God make his personal writings deeply revealing for us. Where can we go from God's Spirit? Where can we flee from his presence? Think of all the places we find ourselves Think of the places geographically you have been, the kinds of places you have been in your life. Foreign countries, places in this country, going for the first time away from your family to college, going into the military, going overseas to serve, going for your company across the country. Going here, going there. Think of the places in our ages that we go. We go from one age to the next age to the next age, and they are different places. Is God in each of those places, geographically, experientially in us? Think of the places in our health we go. From childhood health to aging health problems to places we go to repair our health. Think of of our fears, the places we go in fear. Think of where we find ourselves in our lives. The key thing about this is that David went to each of those places, found himself in each of those experiences and places and knew that God was there. I think, we think, God is here when we are addressing him here, but we can get out into our daily lives in many other places and have not a word for God, to God, or about God on our lips or in the conversation, for six days of the week, for our vacations, for our family times, do we go with that same sense that David has? He is wherever I am, whether I go there intentionally or I find myself there in my life. And he knows me through and through and loves me dearly. This morning, think of these words. This is my body. Take and eat. This cup is a new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. This is a place where he is present also this morning in these symbols in our receiving them. I just encourage each of you to reflect on your awareness of his presence with you in all of the small places that you ordinarily do not think of him. When you lay down to sleep, when you first wake, when you wake in the night, do you complain or do you talk to him? All of us have lots to grow in this. Psalm 139 can be a great guide for you.